Hello and welcome to the Rugby Robcast with me, Rob the Rugby Scribbler. And it is just me this evening, but luckily uh, I make up for that with an excellent guest. Uh, I speak to Mark Camburn, the captain of Latin America's youngest rugby international team, Bolivia Rugby. Um, and we talk everything from Bolivian rugby, Super American rugby, um, to Scottish rugby involvement in Bolivia. Uh, as well as a little bit of Bolivian politics, but that's only a couple of minutes, so you can skip that if that doesn't interest you. But um, yeah, enjoy. First thing I wanted to ask is your captain for Bolivia, is that correct? Uh, yes, yeah, I'm still still a captain. <laughs> we haven't played a game in over a year and a half, but uh, as things stand, I think I'm still a captain. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's, I imagine it's been some time. And I, I was trying to find out online and I, I couldn't actually find it. What position do you play? Uh, second row. Okay, I thought so. I saw a couple of clips and I thought you looked like a second rower. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, very, very limited in my, in my skills, but I can jump at line outs. <laughs> that's where they put me. That's, that's pretty much what I had uh, when I used to play. I wasn't very good at much, but I was lanky, so that counts yeah. for something. <laughs> exactly. But it seems to be a thing for uh, aging second rows in international rugby. So, <laughs> so um, it, 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 I, don't, I don't want to be too, uh, too vague, but I guess how did this all start? It started when I was 18. I came to, to South America um, to do like a, a year between school and, and university. Uh, I went to Argentina, to San Juan. Uh, I was teaching English, but I think more more learning Spanish, if I'm being honest. Um, so I had a great time in Argentina. I really loved it and um, learned a lot of Spanish. And then I went traveling through parts of South America, including Bolivia. Uh, really loved it. Really, really loved Bolivia. It kind of really fascinated me as a country when I, when I came traveling through here. So when I went back uh, to the UK to start university, I got halfway through my my, my first, the first year of my my degree, which is graphic design, and I thought, no, this isn't for me. <laughs> and I started looking around for other degrees, and I found a degree in Latin American Development Studies down at Portsmouth. Um, so I decided to change course, went down to Portsmouth, and part of that degree involved a, a placement year in, in Latin America, which is something I was really keen to do. But it was open to us as the as students to decide which country we wanted to go to, and then when we decided that to find a, an organization that we could work for, we could volunteer for. So I knew I wanted to come to Bolivia. So I started looking around Bolivia for, for local organizations here. I found a, an NGO in Santa Cruz. Uh, they said I could come and volunteer for them. So I came and worked for a year uh, for them. Uh, at that point, I had no idea that there uh, was rugby in Bolivia. It wasn't even on my mind at that point. Uh, I hadn't really played much rugby since leaving school. But, so I finished that, that placement year, came back to the UK to finish university. But that organization had then offered me a, a full-time job if I wanted to come back after university. So I decided to take them up on that. Uh, came back to Bolivia um, after uni and worked for them for uh, five years. And during that time, I uh, came across rugby uh, in, in Santa Cruz. I, I read in the newspaper one day about a, an international rugby tournament in Santa Cruz, which really, really surprised me. Um, so I went along and it was a football stadium and there was teams from uh, Argentina, the North of Argentina, I think from Brazil, maybe from Paraguay at the, at the tournament, but I noticed a team called Santa Cruz Rugby Club. So I went and had a chat to them uh, and started training with them. That was, that was the end of 2007. At that point, there was only two teams in the whole of the country. There was Santa Cruz and Hemicheru Rugby Club, both based in the city of Santa Cruz. So I yeah, started playing with Santa Cruz, started training, and we basically all we did was every now and again we'd play a game against the other team. <laughs> spent yeah. a lot of time training other than that. Uh, but since then, yeah, rugby's gone gone from strength to strength in the country. And um, we gradually got more and more teams um, to the point that we now have in the city of Santa Cruz. We now have five teams 
Um, and there's teams in, in Cochabamba. There's three in Cochabamba. There's two in Tarija. One in why do you think it's sort of... Um, why, what, like, what, what would you put the growth line to? Do you, like, any sort of inkling? Or has there been something specific um, that you think has sort of driven that? I think uh, the initial growth was probably... It came about... Um, we've got a lot, of, a lot of Argentinians living in Bolivia. A lot of Argentinians came up to Bolivia, up to Santa Cruz, especially sort of after the economic crisis in the, in the start of the 2000s. Um, obviously, they, a lot of them brought a passion for rugby with them. And so that's how the first team set up. It was kind of Argentinian uh, expats setting up rugby. Uh, and then I think uh, Bolivians who'd maybe come across rugby in the past or seen it on the TV um, started to kind of get involved in those teams and then started growing it from there. And there was, in terms of sport in Bolivia, you've got football and volleyball, and that's, that's about it, really. So if someone who wants to try something different or... Um, Maybe he wasn't very good at football. There wasn't really many alternatives, so I think rugby's kind of filled a bit of a gap there. It's quite um, interesting as well because I think with the case with rugby on, like for most of Latin America, has been that it's been bought over by, like traditionally by English or Irish or French. So it's really interesting for Bolivia that that's been like a, I guess like an organic growth. You know what I mean? Like a Latin American sort yes. of movement, which is really, definitely, really nice. Definitely, and the big influence is is from Argentina, like the kind of the. The rugby, the rugby values are very kind of Argentinian orientated rugby values and the style of play is kind of, yeah, a lot of influence from Argentina. And also, I guess one of the, the other factors is um, you can you can see quite a lot, because we're close to Argentina, we can see quite a lot of rugby on the telly, but you, get, you can get it on ESPN. So people are able to see it and then go, all right, that was interesting. And I saw that you could, you can watch on live TV there, the women's Six Nations. I know and it was, <laughs> it was here. I have to go on to BBC iPlayer to actually watch that. So that's was that like free to air TV or is yeah, that? Uh, well, it's cable TV, but it's on the um, so in the package I've got, I get three ESPN channels. So, for example, the men's Six Nations I had to watch on the ESPN player because they had they didn't have it on any of the channels that I have, but the women's Six Nations was on was on the, the package I have. So, I was, I was really surprised, it was, it was good to watch it. Yeah, that's great. And considering that, I don't think I've ever seen women's football on the telly here on, on, on any of those channels. So I was really surprised to see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, on that note then, do you get, obviously, the I think the big thing in South American rugby in the last sort of year has been SLA, the Super League. Yes. Yeah. Um, has that sort of made much of a, an impact over there? Like in terms of, has it been sort of on TV? And yeah, so um, ESPN are covering that as well. So you can watch that if you have. Yeah, your, your basic cable package you can watch SLAR, um, which is great. And, and for us, it's something to really look at and target. When we went down to play Paraguay uh, a year and a half ago, um, there was SLAR was kind of on the horizon, so they were kind of gearing up for that. So the, the Paraguayan coach uh, of the national team was, was was brought in to be the coach of the of the Olympia Lions, for example. Um, so we had a chat to him about it. Um, a lot of the guys that are playing for the Olympia Lions were guys that we played against when we went and played Paraguay. So that's quite quite nice for us to have that kind of direct contact and to see yeah, see the opportunities that have been developed for, for those players. And kind of doesn't for I guess for Bolivian players that doesn't look uh, too far like kind of in the distance anymore. Like you can kind of aim for that. You could aim to potentially get uh, get down to Olympia Lions maybe or or I think in the future they'll finally open a, a team in north, the north of Argentina as well. From what I from what I kind of hear them talking about, they want to have franchise teams in all uh, sort of South American countries that play rugby. So at some point in the future, potentially Bolivia has a, a team in Slar. So it's really something, versus before, there wasn't really anything to aim at. Um, and if you played rugby in Bolivia, you did it. This is obviously for fun as an amateur. And that's not, well, you could, but you're slowly starting to see that there is something you could aim for if you wanted to take it a bit more seriously and take it a bit further. There's kind of, there's roots for you now, which in the past there wasn't. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's big for rugby on the continent just because before it was very much. I, I so I I was over in Chile in 2018, um, and I went over to watch Argentina play the All Blacks in mm-hmm. uh, in Buenos Aires, and like Santiago Airport was full of. I say full of. There were quite a few Chilean people flying over, and they followed like Jaguares and the Argentine national team. I mean, they followed the Chilean one too, but obviously to like a way lesser degree. And for them, it's because that was the rugby offering. It was like yeah. if you if you want to watch rugby here at a serious level, you go to Buenos Aires, and that's it. Whereas suddenly now you've got SLA in all of these countries, and yeah, I mean, especially with Jaguares at the moment, that team is it's destroying all of the other teams to be honest. But they're world-class players yeah but then that's 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 good in a way because it gives the, all the other teams that are kind of maybe just been competing in their own national leagues and against themselves and kind of think oh yeah we're we're like the we've reached the top and then it, it makes you realize that you know we've got a long way to go and kind of can motivate you to carry on working i mean that, that happened for us when we, when we played paraguay we got absolutely thrashed by paraguay but it was a bit of a, an eye-opener okay if we want to take this seriously then we've got to we've got to do a lot more in terms of off-field work and uh, all sorts of things to kind of try and get ourselves somewhere up to that level. So I think that that, that can be really beneficial for the other teams. How how was the decision made, I guess, for for that first game to be Paraguay? Because like you say, you've got a few options around of, of, of countries you could play. Why, yeah. why was Paraguay the game? I think um in terms of uh ease of ease of getting there to a certain extent and, and being able to get an international game because um, we went down to the north of Argentina and played against development teams from Salta and Jujuy, um, which is fine, but it's not it's not international rugby. We want to have the, the international match. Yeah. Um, um, Paraguay was, uh, I think, through contact with our head coach, was was an option. I mean, I say it's accessible. It was a it was a twenty four hour coach journey to get there. Um, so. Nothing in Latin America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that was just that was the kind of the best kind of first option. And then on the back of that, there's now an agreement between Paraguay and Bolivia to make that an annual event. Um, oh nice! Uh, so unfortunately, like last year, the Paraguay should have come, and because of uh, the pandemic, obviously they couldn't. They're due to come this year, but we're waiting to see if that's going to happen. I think as things stand just now, that's not going to happen this year either. Um, yeah. But on the, I guess on the on a calendar of events for this year, we've got that game against Paraguay, and then towards the end of the year, we should be going to Peru to play against Peru, which would be the kind of another kind of probably more close to our level because Paraguay is quite a step up for us. But we would hope that we'd be able to be a bit more competitive against Peru. Yeah, and that's good to see that you're getting more fixtures as well. Then. Yeah, I mean, we had hopes. Um, there was a tournament um, called uh, South America Sea, which was the kind of the, the entry-level tournament for in, uh, international teams. So you had the likes of Peru playing in that, and you had a lot of the, the Central American teams playing in that. But since we've kind of become an international team, that tournament hasn't hasn't happened. And at the moment, I, there's no word from South America rugby about what they're going to do at that level, because I know they've, they've restructured quite a lot. But in terms of that entry point, we're still waiting to hear. During that now this year, because like people aren't professionals, it's it's a lot of work yeah. and you know to try yeah. and get those conditions right. Um, a lot of work and yeah, you mean we can't. There's no way we can create like a, a bio bubble and get into that bio bubble. So people have jobs to study, they all sorts yeah. of other things, and we just don't have the the funds to be able to do that. You know, if when players for us to travel to play Peru or to play Paraguay, we we fund ourselves basically as players with a little bit of support from the federation um, and a tiny bit of support from the state, but the rest is on master fund. Yeah, it's quite a big challenge, but I guess it's nice that it's there's something there, like you, you alluded to earlier. There's 
a goalpost for people to yeah. aim for in, in Bolivia. And so I, I kind of want to go back, but to before the rugby stuff, um, what you mentioned, obviously that you worked in some NGOs over there and mm-hmm. are currently. Um, so I wanted to know a little bit about what those are, what you do, and and yeah. also why you fell in love with Bolivia. Absolutely, go for, go for that question first. I think there was it was like when I first came to Bolivia, the, the kind of the diversity of the country just really amazed me. There was some, like, you know, I came in, I travelled in from Brazil, um, so I took the train that goes from the, the Pantanal into Santa Cruz, which I think it took about thirty hours, um, um, and yeah, you come in that way through the across the Pantanal, across the through the Chiquitania after Santa Cruz, and you get a whole really interesting. Um, ecosystem that you go through and then from there we went up into the mountains up to, to something like that up to Sucre on the Potosi and it's the country could change just completely and um, the people changed completely and um, then I remember we went down to Ujuni to the salt flats and then from there up to La Paz and to Lake Titicaca I, was, I thought this is such an incredible country there's so much to see and do here and the one thing I noticed about uh, Bolivia at that time and, and to be honest it's still pretty similar is that I felt very safe when I was here I didn't feel uh, compared to some of the other countries I've travelled in, I didn't feel kind of threatened or, you know, I thought I could walk around quite quite freely, chat to people. And I really like that. I thought this is a place I thought I'd spend more time, more more to explore here, more to get to know. And a really interesting country with all the kind of political issues that were going on at the time. And when I when I came back to work for the NGO, that was um, uh, when I came back from when they offered me the job, that was the start of 20, uh, 2006. So it was just at the time that uh, Evo Morales was coming into power. And I'd kind of seen when I was a volunteer, I'd seen the process of him coming to power, like and kind of really building the kind of box of sport. And then I arrived just as he came into power. So it was a really interesting time to, yeah. to come and be here. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of all gone downhill now, but um, uh, all but, that optimism that was there at the time. But uh, yeah, I think those those things are really fascinating me about Bolivia. And I had a chance to come here and, and work and put into practice what I've been doing as a, in my degree, as a Latin American Development Studies. Um, it was yeah, too big an opportunity to turn down. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. I guess on, on that note, you've alluded to it. I don't want to get sort of too political, but how, how have things been since? Because to, to be honest, the, the news coverage of the elections and everything over here has been very varied. Um, my understanding of it, and like, please feel free to correct me or anything, is, is that there was a coup by Janine Agnes, although the coverage over here has been very ambiguous. Like, you, you have to yeah, be a lot Yeah, I mean, so, I would disagree with you there i mean uh, there was a, a there was a big uh, social movement when when the elections happened when when the able won re-election um, and that was that had been building for a number of years and it started particularly two years before that when there'd been a referendum to see whether he could stand for re-election which yeah. he lost and um, but then they they found a way to they basically changed them um, they changed judges in the constitutional court and managed to get them to say okay you can go for re-election so from that point, people were very distrusting of the election, the electoral process. When the elections happened, there was a lot of distrust, and uh, people thought there was evidence of a fraud. Um, uh, and so from that point, um, in cities like Santa Cruz, in Cochabamba, in La Paz, uh, in Sucre, all over the country, the people started to protest. Uh, but they did it in a really in a way that really surprised me because Bolivia is a country where you have lots of protests. Um, they're often quite violent. Um, but at that point, the, the protests basically did, they, they shut the cities down. So like Santa Cruz, I just outside from where I live, a roadblock was put up. But everybody in the whole neighborhood was involved in that roadblock and it was really peaceful. It was just, okay, well, no one's coming through, but like we're not doing it violently anyway. Um, they set up like 
soup kitchens to for people who couldn't get to work. And it was really kind of something I'd never seen before in, in, in terms of the kind of community spirit around it. The pressure from that eventually led to able um, resigning power. And obviously, political like leaders that came to quite unsavory leaders came kind of to the forefront of the movement. But the movement for me, the movement was much more people based, and it wasn't led by 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 these other leaders. Uh, I think they kind of usurped it a bit. And, um, Virginia Nanias, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think. And maybe I'm being naive. I don't think she. she that she definitely didn't lead the military coup. I don't think she. Uh, it was in kind of her plans to become president. I think it's just the way it worked out when when Ava left and and the vice president left, and there was no. Like, um, yeah, the constitutional process was didn't allow for anyone other than her to take over. But then I don't think she did a very good job when she took over. Um, I think it should have been a really quick process of just transitional government, get another election up. In a couple of months and, and do that and um, i think she stayed in power too long tried to do too much yeah um, and it's really frustrating to see because you had this movement where a huge part of the country got behind this movement like, and including a lot of your traditional supporters of, of the mass party of able's party had got behind this movement to get rid of able um, and so you had a real opportunity to really bring the country together but because of the type of leaders that came out on top of that and their their kind of traditional attitudes towards uh uh, the poorer sectors of the women's society and, and certain indigenous groups, they started to divide that, that support. Um, and so when you came around to the last year, the new elections, the like, AWOS party has always had about between 15 and 60% of support. Um, and a lot of that's rural. And if, as the opposition candidate, if you don't try and reach out to that group, you're always going to lose the elections. And they didn't try and reach out to that group. And they showed that they weren't really interested in that group of society. And so, they, they all voted for, for mass again. So we get another mass government comes in under Luis Arce. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Abel comes back to the country. But yeah, since the election, it's been really weird since the election. So you, the new president is very quiet. You don't really hear much from him. Doesn't really kind of opposite to Abo. Yeah, but it's quiet to the point of almost like Austin was a bit negligent. And, you know, kind of all the things that are going on just now with the pandemic and yeah, it's, it's a strange situation just now, but it does feel like a real missed opportunity to, to for Bolivia. I'm not yeah. really sure in what direction they're going now and what, what what's going to happen over the next few years, but there's still obviously a lot of, in Santa Cruz, there's a lot of you know, resentment, but oh, they've missed the boat, they've missed their opportunity again. They've, they've shown, unfortunately, shown a, a side of them which isn't very uh, appealing to the rest of the country. It's interesting to get your perspective. Like I say, the, the coverage over here, I think, has been quite mixed. So it's... Like I say, I, I say military coup with like a question behind yeah. it because, you know, some places you read it and it, it's just that's what it was and it was nothing else. And other places you read the complete opposite. And to me, it, it's always it always seemed to be like a mix of so many different things. It was really hard to pinpoint what yeah. it was, especially from over here. Yeah, it was. I mean, at the time for a lot of people here, um, myself included, it was really frustrating to see how it was reported, uh, how it was reported overseas because it just... The reporting seemed to miss a whole load of of the context and what was going on, and, and the kind of the blind support for Evo Morales that came from you know, left wing governments around the world was really concerning because uh, his government oversee, oversaw some pretty horrendous uh, um, crackdowns and um, violence and you know things like that, and kind of shutting down political opposition. Um, yeah, uh, and that was just there's the blind support like from the likes of. Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders, for example, was just like, come on, you guys need to investigate a little bit more before you just yeah. get behind this guy. Um, I, on that note, I guess, because I think at least in my experiences in Chile and from what a lot of people have told me in Argentina, 
rugby there is very much like a a rich man's sport and the people who play are often like quite right wing i mean that's a really poor generalization to make i, I appreciate but that was the kind of i guess if you spoke to your average person in the street that's what rugby represented and i want i i wonder if i don't i'm not asking you to stereotype everyone you play with but, <laughs> you know do you think that it's got um because it is more of a like organic movement from within Bolivia, do you think there's that like social thing around it or do you think it's a bit more kind of open? I think it, 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 it's not, it's not like a real, like really, really rich man's sport, but it is a kind of upper middle class sport, definitely. Uh, and we're trying to bridge that gap and, and trying to make it more open and some, some clubs do better than others at that. And, um, but I think there are, and because because it's self-funded, it makes it quite difficult to make it completely kind of uh, a sport for everybody. And um, so, simple things like we have to have um, the, the federation makes, we, uh, makes us all have to pay a, a medical insurance to want to play rugby here, and that is a fact. That's that's a limiting factor for a lot of people. But it's quite a lot of money, you know. And as clubs, we try and do activities to be able to make sure that everyone can pay that. Um, but but it, it's not easy. So yeah um i think that's the kind of direction we're trying to up and i'm definitely want rugby to move in um, i want rugby here to be a sport uh, sport for everyone and that's why we set up things like the the fundraising campaign and, and different activities to try and bring in funding for rugby so that it's so not if people want to get involved in that to you like is there a way you... yes so i have a, a go fund well, sorry the federation has a gofundme page um okay. uh, i can send you the link to it uh, it's, i think it's gofundme slash bolivia rugby i need to double check that um no, no, uh, yeah, I'll send you a link. We had to go funding and then we, we switched to just giving. I think the current ones are just giving page. Sorry. Um, okay. But yeah, that's that's a way of supporting because um, uh, we're trying to fundraise to get money in for the Federation so the Federation can support all the clubs and support the players, not just at the national level, but support down, down to the clubs as well. Because, um, I mean, to give you an example, yeah, all the clubs, as I say, are self-funded. We don't have sponsorship uh, yet. We're hoping in the future we can get that. But, you know, we have to have some degree of success, I think, to, to bring that in. And we yeah. don't get support. We get very minimal support from the state. Um, so simple things like this. Like last weekend, we had a we had a training camp. It was in Cochabamba. So all the players from from my city and uh, from Dariga had to pay their 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 flights or their their buses to get to, to Cochabamba. We had to pay for our uh, uh, COVID tests to make sure we were negative beforehand. Um, the the accommodation was paid for. That was great. Uh, it's not always the case. Often, sometimes often we have to pay for the accommodation as well. Well, all these sort of things are quite limiting in terms of if you if you don't have uh, money and then kind of yeah you can it can seem impossible for you to participate and 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 even if you're if you're good enough you might not have the funds to, to be able to do it which is which would be a real shame I mean, yeah we want it to be open to all so how's how's it been sort of since the pandemic I saw yeah it was was it in the last couple of weeks you had your first training sessions yeah it was last weekend so the clubs have been training. Uh, for a couple of months now at uh, club level we started in um, the kind of you know, really minimal kind of just uh, physical activity and we went passing gradually building up and um, but last weekend was the first uh, training camp with the national team for a year and a half um, and that was great that was um, we all, all went up to Cochabamba um, which is uh, a challenge itself that's a challenge at 2,800 meters above sea level so that's quite quite a challenge to go and, uh, go and train there um, but yeah, just great to all be together. There was about 35 of us in, in camp. Um, uh, really, really intense. But we've been, so we've, uh, since the start of the year, we've been sent training plans um, for all the players within the national setup. So we've been doing a lot of gym work, um, a lot of fitness work. 
that was the first time we all got to come together and kind of see the the changes that were going on for a number of players. Like big, big differences in a number of the players have really kind of taken a step forward. So that was great to see everyone to do a bit of rugby. We managed to do quite a lot of um, kind of pitch work, which is something we haven't done for for ages. You know, get out on the pitch, yeah. uh, tackling, rucking, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that was really good. Uh, the plan going forward now is that we'll be meeting up roughly once a month as a as a squad, and then. During um, during the week in every city where there's players in the national setup, there's going to be uh, many kind of uh, training camps where players from those cities uh, come together on a Wednesday night and, and just kind of go through kind of skills training basically. Um, and those are going to be open not just to the players in the national setup, but also to other players and all the clubs who want to come along. So the so idea is to really raise the skill level um, of everybody. Have you had then at, at club level, you alluded to the fact you could train. Have you been able to play any games as well to no, sort of keep the No, going? we had uh, initially um, games planned for the end of this month, April, but they've been pushed back now. Um, yeah, the case numbers are kind of, they're not rising fast, but they're they're quite quite high. Um, and there's a concern around the, the Brazilian variant, which has been detected in Bolivia. So, yeah, we're kind of taking kind of take it carefully. Um, we're all desperate to get back to play. Um, we haven't, as a club, we haven't played a proper game, yeah, for since 2019. So it's kind of yeah, desperate Not to get back to play. But same same for, for players all around the world, I suppose. Um, but it's it's worrying in terms of what impact that'll have on our clubs because a lot of um, the older players may not come back and um, we're trying to get new players in, but the kind of stop start nature makes it hard to kind of keep them keep them involved. Yeah, big challenges. Like you say, I'm not just in Bolivia, but I guess everywhere really. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn here because I've got two two things I wanted to talk <laughs> about. The first one I wanted, well, yeah, okay, let's go with this one. You've mentioned to me uh, before Fundacion Buen Punto. Mm-hmm. Um, Columbia. Yeah, yeah, obviously that's a rugby yeah, project. So, but in a yes. Place, so so I'll go back. One of your questions you asked me earlier on, which I don't think I answered, was around my, my current work. <laughs> Um, ah, yeah. So I work I work for um, Skia, which is uh, a Scottish international um, uh, uh, development organisation. Um, it's the Scottish version of CAFOD, if you're aware of CAFOD in England and Wales. Okay. Um, it's a kind of Catholic version of Christian aid. Um, so I'm the project officer for, for Latin America, um, and I oversee projects in, in Colombia, Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Haiti. In Colombia, I work in a lot of regions where um, uh, communities affected by conflict. Um, and the, the Columbus Civil War and the, the ongoing conflict in Colombia. And towards the end of last year, I came across that an organization using sport as a way to kind of um, to bring about um, peace building and bring communities together and using the values of sport. And as it turned out, they were using rugby, which uh, obviously caught my attention. So I got in touch with them and they happened to have had a few projects in the region in Colombia where I work in, in Choco in the Pacific Northwest of Colombia which is one of the worst uh, affected regions in, in Colombia in terms of the conflict and also the poorest department in Colombia. So it was all seemed to fall into place. They were working in Choco um, using rugby for, for peace building. Um, so, uh, and they were supported by the, the University of Brighton, which has a, a Peace for Development program they have a, a methodology and the Football for Peace, um, uh, which I think is about 30 years they've been working on that. And more recently, rug, Rugby for Peace. And so they have a whole methodology behind that, which they 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 train up um, local organisations in, so they can they can use it with rugby or with football or whatever sport that they they think fits. Um, so I got in touch with the university and in touch with Fundacion Buen Punto, uh, and we looked at the possibility of putting together a pilot project with support from SCF. 
in, in Choco. Uh, and it really yeah, it gathered speed very quickly. Uh, I managed to secure the funding for it. Uh, and so we managed to approve a, a one-year project in Choco, working with um, six different communities, aiming to work with around about 600 kids uh, from Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities on the Pacific coast. Uh, and yeah, using rugby as a, as a means of, of um, teaching uh, the children values for, for life, basically, and values for living together, uh, coexistence with each other. And the end goal, obviously, as, as well as passing on those values, is to, to leave set up in these regions, sort of community rugby clubs that can that will then be welcomed into the Colombian Rugby Federation. Um, the guys, it's a very small organization, but the guys behind it are ex Colombia rugby players. Um, there's a uh, a British guy, Andrew Wright, uh, who I think played for Colombia in the very early days of the national squad, uh, was a coach for a while as well, and is involved in, in some of the, the clubs in Colombia. And then um, uh, two other guys, um, Gonzalo Gomez and Lucas Marroquin, uh, who are also ex-Colombia players, but they're really committed to this type of work now. Um, and they do it largely on a voluntary basis. Um, with this project, we're managing to cover some, some salary costs, but it's very minimal, it's most of the costs that are involved in the, the rugby program itself and they they've hired a a female rugby player um, and, and and coach uh, who's gone into the area and moved to the area with with her young son uh, and is uh, working with the communities and um, using rugby as that so they, they're doing training a couple of times a week and through the training and they're trying to get across these other values and important um, aspects of so really exciting program really uh, i'm yeah, keen fun. to see see it and develop and and hopefully grow it because we've started it with a one-year project but the way we work in scale was we try to support longer-term processes so we look to support for a longer period of time and to see how we could develop it further and, and leave those the skills that are around it um, embedded in the community so they can carry on with it after yeah. um so i'm so hoping really that's the case i'm really excited to get down and visit it but uh at the moment i can't can't travel there but hopefully soon i can travel there go and visit the project play yeah. rugby with it with, with the kids and, and see how it's going yeah, that sounds amazing. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Rugby Sin Fronteras. It's like they do, I think it's, well, it's not quite the same. It's not a youth program as such, but I think they hold uh, sort of invitational matches with children between conflict torn. Uh, ah, brilliant. I haven't heard of that. Oh, I think it's Uruguayan based. Um, ah, okay. But yeah, it sounds like a, a, a similar thing. I think yours sounds a bit more um, community based. Than mm -hmm. that. I, I, I don't know. It, I, I got the impression with Rugby Sin Fronteras that it might be like an ex, uh, exhibition match type thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice idea using rugby for, uh, uh, yeah, I guess for like instilling these these values and stuff in people. Yeah. And, and, and just giving something for the, for the kids to do as well. Because I mean, one of the issues in, in these communities in Choco is that um, young children often get um, uh, captured by the different armed groups and kind of recruited by the different armed groups in, in the ranks. Or, uh, recruited as uh, drug mules you know um, you know there's not a lot of opportunities for young people in these communities are quite isolated they're pretty abandoned by the state so they're at the mercy of, of lots of uh, lots of these groups so to give them something a bit more structured to do um, something they can and, and then the great thing in Colombia now is there's there's real opportunities for them to rugby and, and we were so talking about SLAR, SLAR earlier on the Colombian uh, rugby is growing incredibly at the moment and the national team's been doing quite well they've got their first pro team so it's, it's a real opportunity um, and for kids from Choco if they if they like rugby and they, they kind of commit to it then there's somewhere they can go with that now as well and that's really exciting yeah it's a, it's a really nice thing I haven't really thought about too much with SLA like I've just been excited to see South American rugby grow but like I said it's it, it is genuinely it gives 
a new goal for any anyone interested in rugby as opposed to it just being some game that you know you can kind of watch on the tv every now and again or on a dodgy stream like it's it's yeah. a real and i guess it adds value to like your projects which is already running it just adds value to that because not only are you giving them a game they can play it's one that hey like if you make it this this could be a job for you yeah um, exactly exactly yeah and it's, it's an alternative to the football which would be the, the usual focus for them and and they get speaking to the guys about why why they use rugby in Colombia. They're very they're very open with me. They think that football's tribal here. You can go with football. It's just that's not like going to help us uh, in terms of conflict resolution. So we need yeah. to really something that'll bring people together rather than divide them. Yeah, I can imagine that. You, you mentioned there was a female player involved in that setup. Is that right? Yes. Uh, so the, the lead lead coach that's that's based in the region is uh, yeah female rugby player from I can't remember the name of the city she's from, but they they, they hired her. And she's moved uh, her family across to Chukwu, which is quite a big move to make. Yeah, yeah, that sounds it. All right, so I, w- I was going to ask because obviously you've alluded to the challenges in Bolivia, just in the game anyway, and grow. I was wondering if there was, uh, if there were any women's teams or yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, here in, in Bolivia, most of the teams, most of the well-established teams have male and female um, sections, um, female teams. Um, the women's game has been focused more on seven so far, whereas the men's game focuses more on 15s. And that's mainly down to numbers at the moment. And the aim is to get up to 15 aside the women's game as well in Bolivia. Uh, but in the meantime, they, they do a lot of sevens tournaments. Uh, we have a national setup for sevens, and that's uh, so that's where the, the female players are at the moment at national level. They're in the sevens setup. Um, but yeah, but that's the aim. So we have, have men's, men's setup female setup, uh, junior rugby and mini rugby in, in a lot of the clubs. Yeah. Considering where you said it was at when you started, that's yeah. like quite a considerable level of growth, really. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I think, I mean, we're a long way behind a lot of other Latin American countries. When talking about Colombia, I would say we're 20 to 30 years behind Colombia in terms of their rugby development. But we're, we're moving forward. I was The first few years when I was here, he didn't really feel like we were moving anywhere. It was kind of the same same thing over and over again. Right now, there's a real, a real um, sort of momentum behind it. Um, I think it started really. It really started moving. And they have a in South America, they have these games called the Odisor Games, a bit like the Commonwealth Games or the European Championships, I guess. Uh, they're kind of like a like an Olympics, but for South America, so they're not just athletics, but lots of other sports involved. Uh, and rugby sevens is part of that because. Because rugby sevens is part of the Olympics, and rugby sevens is now part of all this sort. And in 2018, Bolivia was a host of all this sort, uh, actually in Cochabamba. Uh, and so uh, Bolivia was really keen to have their rugby team involved in that. So that was the first time that really Bolivia got a national team set up. They got the seven set up, uh, set up for, for men and women. And that really was the kind of the moment, the, the kind of starting point in terms of this, this new push to get everything in place. We got finally got recognized by South America Rugby as an affiliate organization and started getting support. What was the kind of, of, was there any prerequisite for that? Did you have to achieve certain goals? Uh, It was more about registration and being recognized by being part of your, um, uh, the Olympic committee in in Bolivia um, and getting through all those processes and then going forward to kind of get full membership and then have to push forward into world rugby. Then, yeah, we have to, um, we have done a national men's and women's team, junior teams, um, and yeah, meet certain requirements in terms of um, competing to be able to, to move forward. But the good thing is we now get support from South America rugby, not necessarily financial support, but coaching support. So like, during the, the pandemic, we had a lot of um, 
training sessions led by Second Mega Rugby coaches um, for players, for coaches, for referees. And so that's been really positive as well. A lot of opportunity now for us to develop rugby, which wasn't there before. On You, you mentioned, obviously, the South American uh, support for coaching and stuff. Obviously, I think if anyone looks at the Bolivian uh, national rugby page, it's uh, qu- quite interesting to see guys like Gregor Townsend, Steve Tandy, um, all all taking part and chatting to you guys. I imagine yes. you played some role in that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a wee one, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, um, yeah, during the pandemic, we decided we wanted to set up um, talks with kind of big names in rugby and um, to try and kind of inspire people in Bolivia and to bring on the level of rugby in Bolivia and take advantage of all that downtime we had. Um, so that, we started with sort of contacts we had in Argentina, um, in uh, actually some 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 guys from Colombia spoke to us as well. Um, we spoke to people like Felipe Contemponi. Um, we spoke to Daniel Urcade. Um, so big names in Argentinian rugby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we thought it'd be great. We could get hear some other other voices and some other rugby stories that are kind of outside of South America. Um, so yeah, I, I reached out to 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 the SRU and managed to get in touch with Gregor. Um, who was yeah, so open uh, to, to helping us and uh, maybe to do, do a talk for us, which was, which was brilliant talking and involved us having to get uh, translators on and get all that sort of stuff set up. But um, yeah, that was a, a great talk. And then that opened the door to a few other, other ones as well. So we've had, had Steve, uh, Steve Tandy on uh, talking about defence. Hopefully we'll go through some follow-up talks with them as well. Um, although they're, they're going to be quite busy over the next few months with the, with the Lions. Yeah. Uh, um, that's, 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 especially now, that must be such a in terms of you're saying about like the momentum for, for people in Bolivia to have seen them, you know, coaches like that British and Irish Lions coaches doing talks for, yeah. for Bolivian rugby, like that, that's massive, isn't it? it it's huge and it's, it's just, it speaks to um, volumes for rugby as a sport and kind of the, 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 how approachable people can be um, and how willing they are to go at the time. And, you know, we, we spoke to I think both Steve and Gregor, which like over an hour and a half, they were, they were um, online with us. In Gregor's case, he'd just come back from uh, one of the 1872 games, the uh, Glasgow games, and just come back to the stadium, got home. I think it was nine, about 9 p.m. And then um, he come home and signed on, and, and we did an hour and a half chat with him. Yeah, he's not um, just doing your lip service there. He's exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that's yeah, really, really great. And then even things like um, uh, we got a donation of rugby boots from Ali Price. Um, uh, one last night I was back in Scotland, uh, uh, he dropped off uh, five, six pairs of his of his uh, rugby boots that barely been used and brought them out here so people can have them here. Um, nice. A lot of things like the, the SRU donated a, a signed top to us a few years ago, which we were able to to use as part of our fundraising campaign. Yeah, it's it's nice to feel that kind of that support from from other rugby unions. Um, I'm hoping yeah. we can we can grow it further. I I have a bit of a, a personal goal to try and get. Um, the Bolivian team across to Scotland at some point in the future. Maybe the Sevens team. I'd, I'd love to see them play in the, like the Melrose Sevens, for example. I think that'd be, be amazing. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I'll be looking at ways that we can make that happen in the future. Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good I, idea. other things that I think other things where I think we could do would be things like, and this could be with with Scotland or with any other clubs or, or countries that would like to support us. You know, like. Um, kit that's no longer being used you know that we can get that shipped out to Bolivia and sent out to our clubs would be amazing you know I think so things like we have we have rock and shields here we've made them ourselves we have tackle bags here we've made them ourselves we have scrummaging machines that have been made locally you know 
um, uh, so it was just great to get more more professional kit and get that out to the clubs. Yeah. I mean, I do not know many people, but if I could help in any way, like just, it, I do a lot of work in rugby, sort of around South Wales and Bristol area. If I could help and get some kit even to, to send out or anything like that, like I'd be more than happy to, I, I, I can't promise anything, but <laughs> I'd be, be dead interested to help if I could. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. And yes, yeah, anyone. Yeah. That'd be amazing. If you could help Robin, anyone who's you know listening or reading and, and would like to, to help, uh, like any 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 help is appreciated. Yeah, I'll chuck we'll go, the go a long way here. I'll chuck the GoFundMe in on the on the blog a couple of times. And Brilliant. Hopefully, get some stuff that way. I think I've pretty much covered everything I had on my list. Um, that's been really interesting because it's kind of rugby, but then I, I study. Uh, I'm doing a research master in Latin American studies, so oh, this for me is like the my two worlds colliding. <laughs> It's amazing how often that's actually happened. But um, thank you for like for coming on and having a chat with me. It's been really interesting. Not at all. Thank you so much for yeah for wanting to chat and uh, it's, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, hopefully we can stay in contact. So that was Mark Cameron, the captain of Bolivia, uh, Latin America's newest international rugby team. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you do want to help out with the kit drop, I will be organising that. So please drop me an email uh, on rugbyscribbler at gmail.com or follow me on twitter at rugbyscribbler um, and yeah whether it's one pair of boots whether it's 50 anything you've got is going to really help i'll also be sharing the link to the bolivian rugby union gofundme page so please get on that send in a donation and thank you very much for listening